Arlene, alcoholic. I can stop drinking. I can't stop thinking. So the problem's always right here with me. And uh, yeah, uh, May uh, May 9th, 1969 is my sobriety date. And I think it. I stayed sober from that date because it was a number I could remember, the 69, for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, you... You thought about a topic, and I thought, well, this is me at 15 years sober at an AA dance at a Alano club. So having fun in sobriety is, and sense of humor is important to me. But I think the most important thing is what I got from my asshole merit badge. And that's, it stands for alcoholics, sharing, sober, helpful, odd, life experiences. And that's why I go to a meeting every day because I'm not bored because I learned something new every day. Uh, not too long ago, I was at a meeting and a person was sharing about, uh, they used to say, I always do this and I always do that. And she was trying to change her habits. So she changed to saying, I often do that. And so I wrote that word down because it was important to me to learn something new, to try something new. Another meeting I was at, a guy said he had gone back out. And when he came back, he wrote on his wall, not today. He wrote it on his wall so he'd see it. And he was 12 days sober. And I like that. Not today. because. This thinking thing is what gets me in trouble. I think that I can do something one more time and it's going to be different. That kept taking me out for years after I first experienced an AA meeting and a pamphlet they gave me. Um, when I got here, I was still blaming everybody else for my drinking. I didn't think it was the drinking. I thought it was that everybody wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. <laughs> and I did not know what I wanted them to do was the biggest problem with that kind of thinking. Uh, and I still can laugh at myself about these things. I was at a meeting today and they were talking about the third step and uh it was, it's one of the steps I had to really change for me to be able to live, live it. And I read it, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of sobriety as I understand sobriety. And that makes sense to me because I, I came when I came the last time I came because I was pretty sure I had a drinking problem by then. Um, seeing that picture and 
telling you I was 15 years sober when that happened. You can't imagine what I did drunk, or maybe you can't. <laughs> but I did some really weird stuff drunk. And I did some really weird stuff sober. And I learned that that's not unusual because I heard other people share that kind of stuff. And I needed to hear that kind of stuff that just because I quit drinking, it didn't fix me. It didn't change everything. And this is my 12 and 12. Most of you've seen it. I stole it when it was new. So I have used it. I have studied these steps. I, I went to one book study for over 15 years, a woman's book study, and we studied the big book, the 12 and 12, and AA Comes of Age. I like AA Comes of Age. Uh, there's a line in there when uh, Father Dowling first met uh, Bill W. Now, mind you, uh, Bill W. liked to embellish things. We won't call him a liar. He embellished things. <laughs> and so when he wrote this in AA Comes of Age, he said that Father Dowling, he asked Father Dowling if there was ever to be any spiritual peace of mind. And uh, Father Dowling told him, no, never, that we he was always going to be searching for a spiritual feeling within himself. And then Father Dowling told him in the conversation that if he ever got into heaven, it would be walking backwards. I like that. A Catholic priest that uh, admits that they've done things that they might not get into heaven as they understood heaven. So I was at another meeting today <laughs> and because uh, I like particularly going to meetings if I think I'm going to speak because I need to know that we all have a story. We all have something that's going to help somebody else. I don't want to think that I've got some special answer to uh, sobriety because the only person I've ever got drunk was me and the only person I've ever gotten sober was me and the topic at this meeting was uh, how do you react when uh, traditional people in traditional meetings tell you you can't stay sober without God and uh, it reminded me I still, when I go to an in-person meeting, I still have people coming up and telling me I'm going to drink. And I'm 53 years sober, and they're still telling me because I'm not doing it their way, I'm going to drink. So one of my favorite steps, when I don't know where I'm at, I'm at step one. But one of my favorite steps that I've interpreted is the sixth step. And I, I they call me Dictionary Arlene. So I, uh, I use the dictionary a lot. And I looked up all the words in all the steps. 
have them still written down somewhere. And the way it read with the dictionary was to be wholly prepared to have sobriety change my character. That's the way I wrote it. And I, and the reason I wrote it like that was before I had the asshole merit badge. But I can tell you there's nothing like being an asshole sober to know you're being an asshole. <laughs> I did not know that my sense of humor was that I used it uh, more to put people down when I was drinking. And I, I've changed the character of my sense of humor mostly is at myself today or something like the asshole merit badge interpretation or showing you that picture of me at an AA dance 15 years sober, having fun. To tell you the truth, I did not think I was going to live to be 84 years old. I'll be 85 in May. And when I got here, I was ready to die. Because with my alcoholism, I was dying a day at a time. I don't know if other people felt that way, but I, it took me a while to see that. It took me a lot of writing. I've written every day of my sobriety, pretty much. Some of it makes no sense, and some of it does. And now I know I've told you all I love seeing the kitties on the Zoom because I became allergic. My partner uh, got up to 16 cats, 18 cats in the house. And I like to remind people because most people come in with issues they don't even know they have. And I have an issue. I'm a lesbian and I'm allergic to pussy. Now, if you don't think that's an issue, just look at your own issues. You will get to that. <laughs> I don't know how much time it took me to get to some of these solutions. It's a word they use in the big book a lot, solutions. Um, but I, uh, you know, I do it one day at a time. I, I remind myself something I heard at a meeting. You can't take six baths in one day and go six days without a bath. Doesn't matter how many days I have. Well, it matters. It, that's a paradox. I love the word paradox. Paradox means contrary to expectations. My expectations was that I might be able to stop drinking when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. The paradox was that I was able to change me. And it took many, many days, many, many years, and I'm still changing. You know, some of you have heard me say, well, I change words a lot, but like the 12th step, I read it, having had an awakening of the spirit as a result of the steps. I tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice 
practice a word that's repeated in the in the big book and the steps and the practice in the dictionary means to make use of habitually often to apply in action to do repeatedly to acquire a skill if that doesn't fit sobriety i don't know what does people that are able to stop drinking and stay stopped, change. They, they're practicing sobriety and they change and they don't even like me. They don't even know what happened. I didn't know most of the changes I've had happened despite me, believe me, they did not happen because I consciously meant to change. Uh, that's another reason why it's important for me to take responsibility for my sobriety. Uh, another quote I like that I wrote one day, the only difference between a rut and a grave is the dimensions. And to me, when I go to traditional meetings where they're in a fucking rut, following the steps written by somebody with four years of sobriety that was trying to write a book to make money. <laughs> that was his plan. <laughs> he was going to make money off of it. And he did. He proved himself th that way. The paradox to it is they didn't write the book and then live it. They lived it and then wrote it. And what they lived is what we're doing here on this screen. They got together and they shared those odd life experiences, their day-to-day, -day, what they did. Uh, I've been in a depression for some time. I kind of knew it and I didn't want to know it. But I saw my doctor today and talked to her about it and she changed my medications. Um, I was suicidal when I was drinking. I attempted suicide so many times I lost count of it. And that really points out that I would die in a day at a time. And I thought, you know, I was trying to kill myself. And I knew I didn't have the courage to do it sober. So I subconsciously thought I would do it drunk if I drank enough that I get the job done. I've been hospitalized four different times in my sobriety for my depression. And that's one of the reasons I didn't want to tell my my doctor I was have, was in a depression because I don't want to be hospitalized. Um, fortunately we're not at that point and she's going to get me some help with some therapy. Um, but one of the reasons I share about it is because I've watched people in this program uh, become depressed and not get help. And they either drank or killed themselves or drank and killed themselves, which was what I was trying to do drinking in the first place. So I, uh, it's not a secret to me that I am an asshole in many ways, and I don't want it to be a secret to you because it's those kind of truths that 
saved me through the years that somebody admitted that they got help when they had a problem. When, when the AIDS epidemic came along, I was working, uh, sharing with many of the guys because their families wouldn't take them in. And a couple things that I did, one was they were all, almost all of them were having trouble eating. They wouldn't eat. And at Christmas time, I make uh, handmade peanut butter balls. And I figure uh, that I'd take some peanut butter balls to one of the guys one day. And, and they, were, they were planning his funeral. He had lost that much weight. He was that sick. They got him to eat one of the peanut butter balls. And I had to bring him another bag of peanut butter balls. <laughs> and I was with 13 different men when they passed with AIDS. And my son passed with AIDS. He was 44 years old when he was living in Louisiana and he couldn't get a doctor to treat him. And he is in the hospital and uh, his partner had told him he would uh, kill himself if he died. And so he just kept hanging on and he told me that he was sick and tired of being sick. And uh, he used to call me and talk to me. And When, it, when I got the call that he had passed, what happened for me is I've been writing gratitude lists off and on through the years. And I always start my gratitude list with sobriety. That's the most important thing. And what I thought about when I got the call that he had died was that he was free from all the pain he had suffered with his AIDS and that I had had a good relationship with him 44 years. I'm having trouble not crying because I've lost so many people that I've loved. You go to these meetings and you meet people and you love them and you care about them. My partner passed. 11 years ago, and a woman that I traveled in an RV for nine and a half years with has Lewy bodies, a form of dementia. And I, I've talked to her every single day I call her. She lives in Pasadena, 130 some miles away from me. And uh, so I, I call her every day and talk to her. And I'm the only one she remembers. She doesn't remember her caretaker who she's known for 15 years because she took care of her mother. She'll not know she's in the room, but when the phone rings and, and Venetia hands her the phone, she knows it's Arlene. And I can trigger some of her memories by talking about places we were and she'll talk about that or the act that um, we used to, when we were traveling, we got to eating banana splits. I only split one with her once because she ate faster than I did. 
after that, we both got our own banana splits because I always ordered a female banana split. No nuts, female. Anyway, I, Sunday, I order a female Sunday at my, uh, just, you know, that's me. But she, they had to move her to the other part of the building she's in because her dementia's gotten worse. And I do a FaceTime with her once a month. And I, before she got too bad, I uh, did a FaceTime with her and showed her what a Zoom meeting was because she didn't know, she didn't understand. And, uh, I don't know that she understood. She didn't want to share, and that was okay. But I can tell that she's changing, and she's angry. And Venetia took the phone today after I talked to her, and she sounded good. Her voice sounded better than it had for a couple weeks, because I think the move really scared her. And uh, Venetia said that just before I called, she had a visitor and she didn't recognize the visitor, didn't know her, a woman she had known for years, and that she started talking to her in baby talk and telling her she didn't want her to leave. She wanted to go with her. She wanted to go see her mommy and daddy and baby talking. But when she got on the phone, she talked normal. Uh, one of the things my son taught me before he passed was, I don't know if you remember what guys with AIDS looked like. A lot of them looked like they had died already with AIDS before they figured out how to change that. And my son was telling me in one of the conversations, he said, every time anybody visits him, they say goodbye, but they say it in a way like they're never going to see him again because they expect him to die any minute, any day. So I quit saying goodbye to anybody. He said, later, later. So when I'm on the phone with anybody, I do that what he taught me. He wasn't in the program, but he taught me different things. And I say later when I'm on the phone, but he did teach me something else. He said, I was talking to him one day when he was still a teenager and he had gone to a few meetings with me and I interrupted him and he said to me, I wasn't done sharing, Mother. <laughs> he taught me to listen. It was something I didn't know how to do when I came to AA. The only thing, they would come up with a topic, and five minutes later, I couldn't remember what the topic was. So when you asked me to come up with a topic, I thought about that. All I in the early on, all I did was think about what I was going to say. <laughs> if it had anything to do with the topic or not. But because I wasn't good at remembering, 
what I thought about was how my day had gone, how my week had gone. And that's what I was going to share. I was going to share, you know, that I had a flat tire and somebody in AA taught me that when you have a flat tire, you don't call suicide prevention, you call AAA. Uh, I've learned more in an AA meeting than I've ever learned in school. Mark Twain had a quote, and I wrote it down somewhere. It said, I was educated once, and it took me years to get over it. <laughs> I like that. I have been educated, but it takes me years to learn. And I want to learn. I want to keep it one day at a time. I want to be in today. It took me sobriety to understand what love was. But before I tell you what love was, I'll tell you what I did. My partner passed away in 2011. And I'm 84 now. so. I was old then, and some woman hit on me at a casino I was at, and she had a room. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. <laughs> anyway, I started doing booty calls, and, um, and somewhere along the line, I decided that it reminded me too much of what I was like when I was drinking. I ended up in some strange places with some strange people besides me. <laughs> Sobriety taught me what love was. Because I'm sober, I can trust myself. Because I'm sober, I respect myself. Because I stay sober, I care for myself. And when I'm an asshole, I have patience with myself. When I come home at night, there's always somebody there that loves me. And I live alone. So if you want a topic, I want to know how much do you love yourself? And how do you learn to love yourself? What do you give yourself on a daily basis besides sobriety that makes you know you love yourself? Is that a decent topic? Now, I did go to a meeting that was called Sex and Sobriety. So I hope nobody here needs to talk about their sex life because I'm not doing it and I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> You're the one of the things I was taught about leading was look at people's faces. You'll know who needs to share. You're hiding behind your pictures. You better volunteer or quit, quit, keep talking. 
You know what the definition of inventory is in the dictionary? It's material on hand, but it comes from the root word of made up in the mind. I made up in my mind who I was when I got here, and it took me a long time to change that. I I can't see them, but I know there's some hands. <laughs>